following program is produced by the Align in the Sound team. If you like what you hear, please stick around at the end of the show. To find out more, contact us and contribute towards a positive future. G'day, you're on Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM. And yes, our uh, uh, intrepid station manager has come in and worked his magic here and we are indeed on the line to uh, a hilltop near Lake Cowell. Um, although I should just back announce that was Bunnalurry from Coloured Stone, or it might even have been Coloured Stone itself, with Island of Greed there. A fine tune from them. Now, uh, yeah, we're joined by Uncle Neville Chappie Williams, uh, Ellie Gilbert and Mark Powell, um, who are at the Lake Cowell Convergence for this Easter. How are you all? Doing not so bad, thanks. We're great. Very good. Excellent. Can I, uh, can I get you guys to introduce yourselves? Oh, hello. Uh, my name's Neville Chappie Williams. I'm a part of the Wiradjuri Nation of Peoples. Hello, my name is Mark Powell. I'm a local custodian of the Reggie Group. Hi, and I'm Ellie Gilbert, and I married into this mob, and my husband was Kevin Gilbert, the uh, writer and land rights activist, who's also a traditional owner of the Lake Cow. Great, great. Uh, okay, well, um, I guess um, water's a good spot to start with. Uh, the, the, um, the lake itself, of course, involves a lot of water and it, it is uh, in a, a floodplain, I believe. Um, where, do, where does the water that, uh, that comes to Lake Cal come from? Well, it's, a, it's an ephemeral lake uh, where the water comes and goes and uh, it's, a, uh, I think it might be about a 20-year cycle or so. And, um, well, with Lake Carroll, there's a large amount of water and underground water. And on the east side of the lake, there's a Pallia Channel, where, which is the Pallia Channel is an underground river. Mm. And Barry Gold has uh, tapped, there's four bores, which is tapped into the underground water table. And also the water for the lake comes from the Lachlan River um, through Gemalong Creek. And when the river's up, it fills the lake. And when the lake's up, it fills the river. So the lake and the river are, are one system. And then it also fills in the south from Lang Creek and um, Sandy Creek. Right. And uh, is, is it Lake Cowell that has a creek that runs backwards? It's... Uh, uh well, it, it runs both ways. When the river is uh, in flood, it runs uh, like in a uh, southern direction. And uh, when it, uh, uh, the river's down, it runs back the other way. <laughs> Fantastic. Or Humbug. Humbug Creek. Humbug Creek. <laughs> I'm sure this was flowing the other way yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so once the water gets into the lake and the lake fills up, um, I imagine there's a dramatic change. I think people uh, people here in Canberra will certainly be familiar with Lake George, which is another ephemeral lake. Sometimes it's dry, sometimes it's wet. Uh, what, what happens when the water comes in? Uh, well, there's uh, uh, an abundance of uh, wildlife. Uh, there are migratory birds from China and Japan which fly out in season and... Uh, nest in the lignum in uh, and around uh, Lake Cow. Mm. 
they, they come in from China and Japan. Yes. Right, so somehow they, they sort of know when the lake's going to be filled. Yes. Remarkable stuff. I, I, <laughs> it's very hard to imagine, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, are there any other sort of remarkable wildlife or, uh, or things uh, that uh, come into the lake? I imagine there's lots of flowers and stuff that come out. Uh, yes, in the springtime uh, and uh, in the autumn there are, uh, you know, quite uh, a number of species of uh, flowers and uh, uh, various other uh, food, uh, traditional food. Hmm. And also when the lake's dry, it's renowned um, in Wiradjuri for the medicines on the lake bed. And when it's full, it's full of fish, yellow belly, Murray cod, yabbies. It used to supply, when it full, it used to supply 20% of the fish catch, of New, inland fish catch in New South Wales. So it's a substantial ecosystem. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Where, where do the things like the Murray cod come from after a lake's been dry for 20 years? Any idea? I think that they are uh, dormant uh, in... Uh, like uh, beneath the surface, they they lay dormant until the uh, the water comes back, and then they uh, rejuvenate again. Wow, that's that's. Some would a... come in with the river when the river floods to fill the lake. The fish would come in that way. Okay, of course. Yeah, and the frogs burrow. Some of the frogs burrow into the mud, and the snakes. Some of the snakes go into the mud. They were saying when they were exploring with the drilling. Um, the place is renowned for tiger snakes, and they'd bring the drill up, and uh, the tiger snakes would come up with the drill. Wow. So they'd lay down in the bottom of the lake. Wow. In the cracks and stuff, I suppose, yeah. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty remarkable, the adaptations to drought there. It's um, amazing what, uh, what the country does. Now... Um, yeah, in one of these flood events, uh, the water sort of goes through the lake and then back out again. Where where does the uh, where does the lake drain to when it when it overflows? Uh, well, it um, drains back into the Lachlan River. It's it's all connected uh, the the river and uh, the underground water system. It, it's it's all connected, and uh, when they pump out from the, the bores, it deeply affects. The, the river system. Yeah, absolutely. That sort of lowers the ground table and uh, stops that stops feeding the river. Yes. Yeah. So the Lachlan, what, what's downstream on the Lachlan? Are there towns down there? Uh, yes, there are villages and uh, townships downstream which rely on the river system. And uh, where there's cyanide and uh, arsenic. Uh, which is a process they are using is a, a cyanide process to extract the gold from the ore when it is crushed up and it is sprayed with cyanide and uh, cyanide is uh, what Hitler used uh, in the Second World War to uh, to uh, poison people. Mm, yeah, it's, it's extremely it's deadly. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt there. Um, 
So, so with the, we'll go back to the the lake itself, and what's the importance um, the importance of the lake to um, to local Aboriginal people? Well, the, it's a sacred site, and uh, it's a dreaming place and a ceremonial site. And uh, there was a large massacre at Lake Cow uh, when the, the troopers were were led to where uh, people, when they were in ceremony, they were led there by native police and black trackers. And there was a large amount of, of people who were massacred. And uh, what the mining company is actually doing is digging into the belly of our mother, the earth. The shores of Lake Carl, stained, rich, rich red with blood, where our people were slain. Who's to gain from the pain and suffering that we have endured? Hmm. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, it's happening, happening all over the world, isn't it? Uh, I might ask Mark, um, how, how did the uh, how did the ancestors use the uh, the lake? And uh, yeah, what, what's its uh, what's its old name? Could you say that again, please? I was just wondering how how your ancestors used the lake, and uh, maybe start with what its old name is. Um, well, they lived around on the lake's bed, and um, they fished, they hunted, they did their ceremonies. Uh, there's a women women's business ceremony place and a men's business ceremony place, and um, they would fish. Or fish, yabbies, ducks, and they would collect their food. Mm. And uh, yeah, who who would who would come there? Is it uh, a, a large amount of people would come there? Oh, yeah, in season, and um, when ceremonies happen, people would come from neighbouring tribes, uh, and that they would have their ceremonies. So, yeah, it's a fairly important sacred site for uh, quite a few people then. Yes, it is. Yeah, what, what happened uh, What happened when, the, uh, when the, the, the first white people came onto the scene? Uh, was, there, uh, was there a bit of fighting or...? Yeah, well, when... Well, I'll just go back to, like, the, the Blue Mountains. Yeah, when sure. When came over the Blue Mountains... They came into Wiradjuri country, and uh, Wiradjuri resisted. Sure, our people speared a sheep or two. Well, after all, the sheep are on our land, and that's when martial law, uh, I think it was about 1824, uh, when uh, martial law was enforced upon our people, where it wasn't murder to kill Aboriginal people. Yeah, and I guess um, yeah, part of that would have been that the sheep uh, digging up all the all the yams and uh, basically getting rid of a major food source as well. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, I guess the uh, the colonisers came in and started using the land for different things. What what are they doing there at present? Uh, well, they're actually uh, uh, digging. Um well, they have applied to uh, to expand. They're saying it's Barry Gold saying it's a modification 
but it's really an expansion. And uh, at present, we have a, uh, an injunction to stop the minister from uh, uh, granting granting a uh, granting a development consent. Uh, but uh, Barry goes in the process now of uh, appealing the decision in a few months' time it will be heard in the Supreme Court. Mm. Just to take the picture for the listeners, the mining company has actually begun mining and they've, uh, several years now, they've been digging and it's an open-cut pit that actually goes into the lake bed of Lake Cowell itself. Um, so, and then they build a wall around to try and keep the lake out. And... Um, they haven't dealt with a major flood. In this country, the river and the lake are one system and it becomes like an inland sea. And we don't actually believe they've incorporated this into their design. And well. that's a cut leaching gold mine in an internationally significant wetland and a sacred heartland is not sustainable. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess a very, uh, very current uh, case in point is up in the uh, Channel Country in Queensland with the latest floods up there. There was at least ten mines of um, had major spillages out of their tailing dams, and there's been a forty-kilometre stock exclusion from downstream. And um, yeah, there's, there's arsenic, nickel, copper, zinc, lead, all sorts of stuff uh, coming out all through the Channel Country there. So it's uh, it's clearly not built into every mine, is it? Uh, that's what we were thinking. That is the main one of the real risks here, um, because the tailing—they're bringing in six thousand and ninety tons of sodium cyanide a year, and at the moment that's over a thirteen-year period, and they want to double the life of the mine. So it's a huge amount of toxin, which ends up being, you know, the salts of cyanide, thiocyanates, and all sorts of toxic chemicals, which are left in the sludge which builds up the walls of these tailings ponds and they're going to leave tailings ponds on this floodplain, two of them, one 17 storeys high and one 15 storeys high and they're a kilometre square each so it's a massive amount of toxic waste left on the floodplain forever just to blow in the wind and uh, to leach down into the groundwaters. Uh, so can you just uh, describe those dams again? I'm not sure I heard right. They're a kilometre square, two of them, and they're set back from the lake a couple of kilometres. That was a condition for the mine to go ahead. And so that's where the toxic waste is stored. And they have two, so one's wet and one's dry, and the dry one they dig out and build the walls up. And then they put the slurry in that and dry the second one out and build the walls up. And they're going to do this until the tailing stands are One's going to end up 15 storeys high and the other's going to end up 17 storeys high and they're left on the floodplain forever. Wow. So um, these have uh, initially got quite a lot of cyanide in them. Yeah, and all the waste rock, which, you know, has other heavy metals in it um, and the arsenic comes out through acid leaching um, that gets ex when the, these ancient rocks get exposed to air. Yeah. Um, and the dust is now blowing across 
the landscape, and we're talking about the breadbasket of Australia. This country's the heart of New South Wales. And um, the mining company in this last court case had to release figures for the collection of dust, and there were very high levels of aluminium, and I think the other chemical was cadmium. And they're saying, oh, that must be um, a mistake in the collection of data. Um, the metal from the paintbrush they used to clean out the bottles must have contaminated the sample. But <laughs> <laughs> that is the case. Yeah, right. Now, um, certainly cadmium and uh, and the other one there, they, they, they bioaccumulate. Do you know what uh, bioaccumulation is? Yeah, yeah. It's, it builds um, up in the living tissues. Yeah, yeah, and then like accumulate in the living tissues. Mm, so I guess if a, if a cow's eating a whole lot of grass that uh, has this stuff uh, sitting on it in the dust, then it will uh, build it up in its tissues, and then it moves up the food chain to whatever eats that cow. Yes, namely us. Right. Hello. No, I was just saying that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess it's, uh, yeah, with the dust, that's certainly something I hadn't thought of. It uh, w would uh, spread the uh, thing. Are there any plans for um, for uh, sort of uh, fixing up the site after they've finished? Um, well, I feel that it will be left for the taxpayers to, uh, to try and fix up. It will be heavy metals... Uh, and uh, there's minute particles floating around in the air, and we are breathing uh, as we breathe the air in. We, and the government doesn't know what long-term effect it has on people. And uh, around uh, West Wyalong, there's a lot of people dying from cancer, and I feel that this is connected to uh, to what is happening. But the uh, the environment and um, it's. I feel that it's quite outrageous where the New South Wales government can consent to a cyanide leaching gold mine in the centre of the Murray-Darling Basin. Now, history had shown in the past what cyanide leaching has done. Now, just go back over to Hungary on the Teaser and the Danube River where there was a large cyanide leak uh, uh, leak where killed all the vegetation in this path, killed a lot of animals, killed all the fish in the river, and it will take, you know, years and years to recover, if it will ever recover, and that was an Australian mining company, Esmeralda, that was based at uh, Perth as well, that was a part owner uh, on the Teeter and the Danube River in Hungary. That's right, and again, that one was caused by a unexpected rainfall event, and um, yeah, it was shortly followed by another tailing stand, which burst and put sort of twenty thousand tons of lead and zinc into the river as well. Yes. So you can just imagine the uh, what? Uh, well, I guess uh, what, what's what's happening on the uh, on the Murray River at the moment? Um, is it has it been uh, hard hit by the drought? Do you know? Well, we've heard, you know, quite a bit on TV, uh, on television about, you know, the, the drying up of the, the Murray River. But we very rarely hear about the mining companies and the amount of water that the mining companies are using, which is a vast amount of water. Um, now, 
Lake Carroll, when it is in full production, it will be using about 17 megalitres of water a day, and uh, that's uh, that's 17 uh, Olympic swimming pools. That's a large amount of water, which is going to end up toxic. Mm. Yeah. So they they um they they put put the water when they're finished with it into these dams. Um, like the the dams have a, a big plastic liner around them, I suppose. To no, uh, there's no lining. It's just clay. There's no lining on the tailing dams, and the water is most destined to leak into the underground water table. And uh, it's not uh, about 25 kilometres or so from the Lachlan River, and the Lachlan River runs into various other rivers. And uh, as I had said, uh, where there's a lot of townships and villages downstream which rely on the river system. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's irrigation water and drinking water and washing water. It's it's the only water that's there, isn't it? Yes. And the land itself is really fractured. Um, there've been a lot of meteors and volcanoes in the past history. It's a very ancient area. Lake Cow's one of the oldest lakes in the world, mm. and that's why you know to not line the dams at all is is re- it's really we're talking about environmental criminals because um, the land and the hydrology of that is much more complex than people imagine and it's very fractured and just going back to your question about um, rehabilitation of the mine site they say they're going to revegetate but they are they're going to leave the hole in the ground what they call the void um, so we're going to be left with this horrendous pit and the tailings dams Right. Now, uh, you mentioned acid mine drainage before. Is that uh, a problem that could happen with this pit? And I guess if it is, please uh, describe what it is. Yeah, um, from our understanding it is because once these old rocks are exposed to air and they oxidise and become acidic, um, a lot of these heavy metals are only soluble in acidic solution and so they start to dissolve into the water. And then a big flood comes and takes them away down river and spreads them because this area is a major, like an inland sea. It'll just spread, uh, spread the chemicals across the whole country. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, right. So, so what you'll end up with is a, a great big uh, dam, essentially, which uh, which will have <laughs> both acid and uh, and all sorts of heavy metals, which are, are really quite toxic um, and persistent, uh, sort of in in all of its waters. Oh, yeah. Right, that's uh, that's a fairly grim scenario. Are you still there? Yep, we're all here. Okay, yep. great, great. Um, Right now, I guess that uh, yeah, that's fairly clear. What, what how is um, what's the sort of history of the fight against the mine going in? I oh, know there was a uh, blockade camp there for a little while. Uh, yes, and uh, we're having a convergence here over the Easter long weekend, and uh, there's a large number of people who are coming out to support us in our fight for justice. And uh, Lake Carroll, it's a part of the heartland of the Wiradjuri Nation. And uh, over the past 10 years now, it's been a desperate, never-ending uphill fight 
against uh, a multi uh, a multinational company. So it's how dare a foreign company come into our lands and write traditional owners. Now back Australian Stock Exchange and any wealth will go the country. Mm. We've been trying to stop this mine now since 1999, nearly 10 years now. And before that, the conservation movement, and it's to stop it twice. Um, but then they caved in, and the Nature Conservation Council, National Parks Association, Total Environment Centre and Safe Australia signed a deal with it was owned by North at that time and said, well, we don't want the mine to go ahead, but if it does, uh, we'll take $400,000 for bush regeneration and salinity control. And at that point, Wiradjuri weren't really aware of what was planned. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's a bit of a disappointment, isn't it? Now, what I would like to do at this point, because uh, I'm worried about the uh, the battery on your mobile phone uh, running no, out. fine. We're fine. Okay. Um, so just uh, run through um, what people can do to help and uh, maybe uh, what's going on there and how, how people can get up to the convergence this weekend if they're keen to come up there. Uh, well, we're, we're taking the fight on for all people because cyanide and arsenic uh, will affect all peoples and uh, uh, for people to come uh, everyone's welcome to come and support us in our fight for justice and um, there's a website www.savelakecal.org and there's a map on there uh, how to get out to the lake we're on the west side of the lake just north of the mine um, yeah so it's really good to see firsthand what what's going on yeah, yeah, it's very flat country, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yeah, so I was out there a while ago when the blockade camp was on and it uh, it really struck me as being very, very flat. Uh, <laughs> last year, uh, around May, might have been a bit earlier than May, we, we flew over in the plane and we took photographs of uh, the mine and uh, we noticed that there was a, a cave in, one of the walls that gave way. And now, through, under the freedom of information, we found now there was 20 uh, war cave-ins. Now, that is quite dangerous, and the workers were moved out one hour before one of the major uh, war cave-ins, and uh, it uh, covered explosives, and which was, was quite dangerous. And, you know, if they keep going at this rate, uh, uh, people are going to die. We found out from the court case through a subpoena that they were monitoring the way this pit wall was about to move, but they didn't move people till the last minute. Yeah, one and hour, that's very uh, very tight. So their occupational health and safety issues and the explosives that were buried were in the blast holes. And it's taken, they put them out of production for uh, several months. Right, and how, how as a as a traditional owner, I mean, what what does a death on on your country mean for you? Well, it's it's been a desperate, never-ending uphill fight, and it's quite painful to go out to to Lake Howell and to see the destruction and um, what they've done to our sacred sites, our dreaming place. It's just quite outrageous. And a foreign company, as I've said, a foreign can 
a foreign company can come into our lands and own and buy up uh, parcels of land and uh, desecrate our sacred site. Yeah, did Barrick, um, when they were when they were clearing the site, did they find any artefacts or anything? Uh, yes, there was quite a number of artefacts. Uh, they found bags and bags of artefacts, stones, grinding stones, uh, spears, nulla uh, nullas, bundies. Uh, they, they found uh, quite a lot of artefacts on the ground. Right, and did they hand them back to, uh, to you guys as the traditional owners? No, they've still got them in the sheds out at Lake Cowell on site. Um, uh, yeah, they've still got it on site. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know what they're using them for? No, they're just in bags stored there. Uh, what we have is the WCC, Wiradjuri Kandobland Company, uh, that negotiates with um, Barrick's Coal. They're building a... Uh, a, a uh, uh, indigenous place, uh, and then they're going to restore the the artifacts in the um, site. Yeah, I see. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's owned by Barrick Gold now. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, what what um, what's their sort of track record as a mine miner like? They're they're quite a big multinational. Is that right? Well, Barry Gold's, uh, well, they're saying it's world's best practice. But, you know, when there's walls caving in and uh, it's a strong possibility that people could die, and they're saying it's world's best practice. And, you know, we're not going to give up. We're not going away. We're going to fight to the bitter end to protect and preserve our ancient cultural heritage. Our ancient cultural heritage, it is as old as time itself. We are the First Nation peoples of this land. And, you know, it's, it's just quite outrageous where... Well, I feel that we're, we're refugees in our own lands. We were driven from our lands at the most horrendous of means. Murders, massacres. And it's, it's just quite upsetting to when we go out to Lake Owl and see the destruction and Barrick still going ahead and destroying uh, our sacred site. Now, when I was in Canada the year before last, I attended uh, the AGM of Barrick Gold and uh, uh, we cornered uh, uh, the chairperson, uh, what was his name, uh, Peter Monk, and uh, um, I shook hands with Peter Monk and... Uh, I said to Peter Monk, how would you feel? Now, Peter Monk is a religious man, and I said to him, how would you feel if I forced my way into your church, tip the altar over, push the priest out of the way, and grab the Bible, and tear the chapters out of the Bible? I said, uh, I said to Peter Monk, that's what your company is doing to our sacred sites. And Peter Monk looked at me and said, Sir, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. But yet Barry Gold still goes ahead and continue to desecrate our dreaming place. And what I've said to Barry Gold many, many times, don't desecrate our dreaming place. Don't mine our sacred side. And the, but that's still, still going ahead. 
They have, they have totally no regard for our ancient cultural heritage. And if listeners want to look up the track record of Barrett Gold, it's on a website called protestbarrack.net. And there, um, people affected by Barrack around the world, from Pulgara Mine in Papua New Guinea, uh, in Tanzania, um, Pascalama Mine in the Andes, uh, are all linking up. And now the Norwegian Pension Fund has divested from Barrack, and this is quite a major move over... Uh, specifically over the environmental conditions in the Papua New Guinea highlands where the tailings are going straight into uh, the river system. We're not even tailings pond, they just call it an erodible dump. And the security guards have um, shot and killed um, 30 at least of the um, local people because there's no fence around the mine so the people... Um, keep to try and keep to their old paths and they're told they're trespassing and then the security guards get frightened and uh, I've seen an x-ray photograph of a young 14-year-old boy with a bullet hole in the middle of his forehead and, uh, you know, these are the atrocities that are going on and Jethro Tulin from Papua New Guinea, he was in the United Nations last year uh, explaining what had happened. He went to Oxford University as a first student from the Highlands and went back to work in the mine as a union rep and then he saw what was going on and ended up setting a human rights, setting up a human rights organisation. So a lot of this is on that website, protestbarrett.net. Yeah, right. Well, people should certainly uh, check that out. Um, right, well, uh, it's probably time to wind up. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Mark Powell, have you got anything you'd like to add before we wind up? Yeah, I'd just like to go back on to the... Um the artefacts that they collected. Uh, they just got um, some young local Kori fellas still on the social, going out there to work. Now, they're our sacred implements, and they were not to be touched or removed. That's what's happened. Now, some of them young fellas that have removed those artefacts uh, have gotten sick. Babies have died. Uh, they've been in car accidents. They've been cursed not to touch those artefacts. They've been told by Uncle Chappie Williams not to not to touch those artefacts, yet they still went ahead under under the umbrella of Barrish Gold, Dr. Pardo, to pick up the artefacts. He walked around and he showed them how to collect them and pick them up and what to look for. Um, but it, it cursed a lot of the workers, which was my people, uh that went out to collect the artefacts. They went, they, the artefacts were not to be touched, not to be removed, yet they did it. Mm, yes, it's uh, not a good result. No. No. Uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle Chappie Williams, do you have anything you'd like to add before we go? Well, I'd just like to state that whatever the water flows and the, the, the grass grows, we will never give up. We will fight to the end to protect and preserve our ancient cultural heritage. We, the Aboriginal people of this land, now called Australia, we didn't come here. We were put here at time of creation by our ancestral being, the great creator spirit. That's how come we got to be here. We didn't come here. We was here since the beginning of time. Mm, and, uh, yeah, you'll stay there. Yes. Uh, Ellie Gilbert, anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um, yes, I'd like to say that um, the governments are also complicit in what's going on because 
we've tried, uh, we've uh, took the legal approach, trying to use the laws that were in place to protect a place like Lake Cow. And we've tried many different laws in the statute books and they don't work. And even when we've won, like, um, they then change the law. So uh, the government's actually letting this go on, uh, letting these foreign companies come in and just destroy the future for our kids and our grandkids. Right. Okay. Well, thank you all very much for uh, for joining me today. And uh, yeah, I guess you can walk back down the hill now. That was a uh, that was definitely a first for uh, for behind the lines. Uh, an outside broadcast to the top of a hill near Condoble. And thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to an episode of A Line in the Sound, the podcast made by Co-ops, Commons and Communities Canberra, Co-Canberra for short the New Economy Network of Australia, or NINA, and radio behind the lines from Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM in Canberra, Australia. Co-Canberra is working towards a cooperative Commonwealth. Our work builds strong communities, extensive commons, and a network of climate cooperatives. The New Economy Network of Australia is a network of individuals and organisations working to transform Australia's economic system so that achieving ecological health and social justice are the foundational principles and the primary objectives of the economic system. Behind the Lines has been running for well over 30 years on Canberra's oldest community radio station, 2XX. We do extended interviews with anyone who's trying to make the world a better place. All three are volunteer-run, so if you like what you heard on this episode, join us and become the media. To join up with the New Economy Network of Australia, sign up at neweconomy.org.au. To help out with Behind the Lines, or to help our editing team finish off a mountain of good Australian New Economy info, which includes editing training, contact us at behindthelines98.3 at gmail.com and see 2XXFM.org.au where you can subscribe, donate and volunteer to Australia's only alternative voice, Community Radio. If you're not in Canberra, there's definitely one near you. To help out with CoCanberra, contact us at info at cocanberra.org.au. That's C-O-C-A-N-B-E-R-R-A.org.au. Or come along to our monthly meetups, which we share with Nina Canberra Regional Hub, where we explore any and all aspects of the new economy. Find out what we're up to at cocanberra.org.au. And finally, if you want to help fund me, Scotty, to go full-time with this and lots of other related work, look up LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, and search for Community Supported Scotty. From there, you can find out about all my other projects and donate to help create a new appropriate economy. Thanks.